Welcome to the Shift Daily Podcast. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's a daily bite-sized morsel of our four-hour middle-of-the-night program. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca. The Shift Daily Podcast starts right now. Let's do let's do some Are You Okay? Shall we dig into Are You Okay, Matt? Let's uh, let's dig into this. All right. Are you okay with having a Lego stuck up your nose for two years? <laughs> uh, no. And I think we need to sort of hear the uh, the New Zealand angle on this as well, because we also get to hear these wonderful people talk. Now for a bizarre medical mystery. It happened to seven-year-old Samir Anwar of Dunedin when he was six years old. He got some Lego stuck up his nose. Well, his parents looked, the doctor looked, and they couldn't find it. Everyone assumed it had magically disappeared. Almost two years later, it was back. (laughs) It came back. It came back. What kind of Lego piece was it, though? Like, it was one of those eight, eight button big squares here are we talking about the little dude's hair like what kind of lego piece is this clip on hair well well i think we'll find out in the report coming up but i i think we have to re-ask the are you okay which is are you okay with having lego stuck up your nose for two years if it falls out again um i mean i yeah i i don't want anything stuck up there that uh, is gonna impede my breathing or just be uncomfortable like you you would notice wouldn't you yeah yeah, but you know what? Yeah. Every time you were a kid and you were building Lego and you wanted to build that house out of red and blue, you always ran out of red and blue before you got to the end. And how amazing, there was always one piece missing that you needed that you had to use yellow and it didn't match. How amazing would it be if all of a sudden you sneezed and there's that red piece that you've been missing all these years? That'd be amazing. <laughs> so good. That would be the highlight of your life. Because I know I had I had a brother who actually would get really annoyed if he was like one piece short of a jigsaw puzzle, you know, like it would stay with him for weeks and weeks. Mm-hmm. He would like tear up the whole house looking for it. So, um, yeah, if it fell out of his nose, I'm sure he'd be pretty happy about it. Me, myself, though, I don't, uh, I'm not sure. Maybe we should hear the story. Let's get the story. Boys will be boys, especially when they're young and it comes to small objects. Like many his age, he got an object stuck up his nose, this time Lego. Samir claimed at the time he had accidentally sniffed it up. His folks Afshan and Mudasir had a look, nothing. Samir insisted it was there. They took him to the doctor, nothing. I think it's gone by now. The incident was soon forgotten. No sign it ever happened. Then, over the weekend, almost two years later... My nose feels itchy. Uh, It can't be here anymore. But it's still itchy. He blew his nose. And out came the Lego. A medical mishap which will go down in Otago's history as the case of the magical Lego hand. I bet his parents believe him from now on on everything that he says. (laughs) That, That music, though... That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. That's um. That's news in New Zealand, by the way. That's a that's a New Zealand six p.m. news report. Was that like the first sure. first the leading report? Like their big lead is uh, Kit Kit had Lego stuck up his nose for two years. It might have been. They interviewed the kid live after it. Oh, we, so good! Wow. Is Our, that a, we got another clip here? Is there one more piece of this? Is this the piece of the puzzle that we've lost next? 
it is it certainly isn't up our nose let's uh right. let's, let's check the interview <laughs> and samir and his dad murasia are with us now lovely to see you both samir firstly to you how did you get lego stuck up your nose i did it by purpose you did it on purpose yeah you just thought you know what i wonder what this feels like if this goes up here Mm. Were you a bit worried when it didn't come um, out? Um, yeah, I, I was frightened and surprised. I bet you were. Oh, um, it was almost two years. And could you feel it up there? Um, yeah, it was itchy. Oh, I bet it was. When it came out, you kept the piece of Lego? Oh, there it is there. Oh, it is oh, teeny can you hold tiny. hold it up to the camera? That's a really teeny tiny piece. Oh, I know those bits. No, it's the, it's the hand. Oh, it's the hand. It's the hand of the, it's oh. the, hand of the Lego man. <laughs> yeah, the hand. The, the hand clamp looking guy. That would be yeah, itchy. It's teeny Matt, tiny. you've got to do me a favor and clip out the uh, it was itchy. It was itchy. Um, for me, because we're going to yeah. need that later. Can I confess? Uh, can I confess a stuff things up your nose story from being a kid? Go of for course. it. Okay, I'll be very quick. There was a time uh, where I, there was a I feather pillows, and I pulled out a feather from the pillow. And all the cartoons, when you tickled someone's nose, you sneezed. So I was like trying to tickle my nose, trying to tickle my nose. There wasn't a lot of sneezes, so you stuff it up there, tickle your nose, and I accidentally—I recall it as accidentally—inhaled the uh, the feather. I don't know where the feather went. I don't know if it went into my lungs. I don't know if it went down my throat, if it got stuck in my sinus and never came out. But for a very long time, as a kid, I was afraid to tell anybody. For a very long time, every time I had a tickle in my chest, I was like, oh, no, it's the feather. And that's what kids do. You I can't inhale the, the whole one. feather? Yeah, I can't be the only one. Clearly, I, this guy's saving me here by telling me he put Lego up his nose. So I can't be the only kid who's done that. Have you been to a doctor? Well, a couple times since, but no one's brought it up. Have you, chest have you x-rays? A, yeah, brain that might have gone up there and swim around your head. It might still Sometimes be there. My brain gets itchy. My brain gets itchy. <laughs> it's kind of itchy, right? But I used to think that, like every time, like you know, when you're a kid and you pick your nose and you get that one thing in your nose that's super itchy, and you figure what it is. And I was reaching in, trying to grab the feather, thinking that, oh, it's the feather finally. <laughs> Why am I telling you this? This is dumb. Let's that's move disturbing. on. It is disturbing. Um, anyway, yeah, no, I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay with that story either, to be honest. Things stuffing things up your nose? Oh, my God. Yeah, it makes me... Right. I, I'm scared of the day I have to go get a COVID test, to be honest. I don't like it. I don't like anything <laughs> going out my nose. You don't like anything? Yeah, the COVID no. test, I had it through the mouth. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot better no, than not, not okay. Are you okay with a fence going up along Zero Avenue, BC, where families and loved ones get to meet up at the border? Uh, that seems like it would get in the way of uh, a lot of contact and a lot of no. I'm not. I don't know if I'm okay with this. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm pro love. I'm love positive. I'm pro family. <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, I'm. I'm anti. I'm anti fence. Okay, I am pro fence because in this world of COVID, we're trying to stop the spread, and people are walking into the park. You know from a state south of BC and hooking up with BC people and uh, oh I see what's going on here 
you know, well, spreading I'm, viruses. I, I'm still pro love, and if right. that's what's happening. I'm pro- All right then, yeah. let's um, let's find <laughs> out what the uh, what's happening here with this. Peace Arch Park has been a hot spot for border meetups. <laughs> Even though BC has been partly closed with the park for months, months ago due to many visitors, people have been meeting up. People have been hooking up there. They've been meeting up outside the park too along a ditch because why wouldn't? Nothing says pro-love like doing it in a ditch. Love ditch. Um, On Zero Avenue on the border. Here is a, a summary of the story about all this from a few weeks ago just after the park was closed. Despite the signs on the Canadian side of Peace Arch Park, there is a way to access this area without breaking the law. Border Patrol came by and uh, he was telling us that Canadians are allowed to go in here. And it turns out Border Patrol and police have been letting a few people in on this poorly kept secret. Who told you about this? The RCMP actually. They came over, um, we were parked at Zero Ave, you know, where the ditch is and it was kind of probably dangerous, I don't know. But they said, you know, go ahead and meet here. Yeah. On Zero Avenue between 171st Street and Peace Park Drive, Canadians have been crossing over, meeting up with American partners or family members on the other side. That's because Peace Arch State Park is open, even though the Canadian side has been closed since June 18th. The province said an increase in traffic was to blame. I don't believe that that is the reason. The reason I was told was because of smuggling items. U.S. immigration attorney Len Saunders says people continue to meet up here, getting friends to pick up packages at their U.S. mailboxes and hand them off in the park. And because this park is legally accessible, he says there is little the province can do about it. I've talked to officers on both sides. They have no problems with Canadians crossing over the 49th parallel into the Peace Arch Park on the American side. There's nothing illegal. As long as the Canadian citizens don't go further south in the grassed area. There is a police presence here, though we're told it has not been ramped up. Well, I'm still standing as anti-COVID. The fence that they're talking about, though, is uh, going up in Alder Grove, 25 kilometers east of Peace Arch Park. And apparently it's to prevent not only people from crossing, but vehicles too. Oh. Well, so how are the vehicles going across? Well, you know, four-wheel driving probably, but that's the noise they make. Um, I'm pro. I'm pro fence now. I'm changing my stance. So you're pro fence now, um, not pro love. No, really. I'm still pro love, but I don't think there's much love happening in Elder Grove, 25 kilometers east of Peace Arch Park. But you're okay um, with the pro love happening in the ditches. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> but um, love ditch, uh, baby. <laughs> oh, that's a good song Come title. Come on. Love in a ditch. Love in a ditch. Think we just wrote a song. We did write a song. Synergy. Yeah. Hmm. What about Matt? Are you are you still anti fence? Um. No. I'm I'm pro fence. Um. I'm pro love. I'm pro ditch love. Um. You know, love just pops up in mysterious places especially in the outdoors. so <laughs> That has been used as an excuse more than once. So here, well, let, me, let me tie this story back to another story um, uh, that is there, and maybe this is the solution. So if the fence is there uh, to prevent the cars from going across uh, in Alder Grove, but if the fence is possible in other places, maybe they consider it in the Peace Arch Park. 
You know, there was that glory hole recommendation from a few weeks ago. Maybe they just build a fence that's chain link and they allow for uh, then then you get you get Chris your your free love and then you get the fence and uh, and then the glory hole solves all the things twice in a summer. No, that doesn't work because now you're assuming that I'm pro glory hole. I like oh. to see my love. <laughs> it's what if it's a chain link fence then? I like to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I like to see my love. Oh, my God. Uh, it sounds dirty when you put it that way, Matt. There's nothing I like un- to see my love. Love in a ditch. If I could see my love. I'll have love in a ditch. Okay, there we go. Now's the remix. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I think we got some, I think we could start a band. We like, got a band. There like we go. We just did. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. There's been all kinds of accusations about travel out and about these days. A new article says Air Canada is promoting leisurely travel these days in some different marketing campaigns. Meanwhile, I'm still promoting safety and all those travel things. And it's an interesting, interesting place that we land, isn't it? Hawaii opening up their borders if you can prove that you're COVID negative within three days of going. Otherwise, you've got a quarantine. Interesting, right? The United States, not quite the same. Hawaii's a little bit different. Claire Newell, president of Travel Best Bets, joins me now to talk about travel because, as always, Claire, this has been changing and changing quickly. Um, and there's some little unknown tidbits here that people should probably should probably know about. So before we get started, let's just be clear that, I mean, saying talking about what's available doesn't necessarily mean, hey, by the way, like you should be traveling today. You're right. Um, like I'm not promoting it by any means. And I do travel inside Canada back and forth. Uh, you know, for my personal life, but at the same time, I mean, I'd literally go home, travel, go home. So it's not like it's super leisurely travel. So what do we have in front of us here? Because Hawaii has opened up their border saying that you, as of uh, the end of the month, you're going to be able to just go there. Mm-hmm. And as long as you can prove a 72 hour COVID negative test as a Canadian, you don't have to isolate. Well, you brought up a really good point. First of all, you know, we still have, we always have to talk about the fact that the Canadian government has the avoid non-essential travel outside of Canada advisory in place. And meaning that Canadians are still permitted to leave the country as they wish. However, upon returning to Canada, all travelers have to face that mandatory 14-day quarantine. If you if you don't do that, it's a $750,000 fine or jail time. Like it's something you just can't avoid. But mm-hmm. um, we're talking about as borders open up and there's so much confusion over this. Um, I still have a lot of people asking me, are Canadians even allowed to travel right now? You know, they hear avoid all non-essential travel outside of Canada. Uh, that the government has as the advisory and they think they can't even leave. I mean, it's you, we're not promoting that you go against the government, but you are allowed to travel as you wish. Um, one of the, 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 one of the big confusions is with the U S and you brought up the fact that Hawaii is different than the U S who knew, <laughs> but they aren't being treated well, it is. completely Even different. their banking's different though, right? Like <laughs> yeah. it's totally different what they do. Yeah. There. But anyway, and what the, the way they've been handling it is, is really different. So Hawaii was, so first of all, let's talk about uh, the continental U S Canadians have always been able to fly to the U.S. They've just not been able to drive through the, um, through the border. And that's since the beginning of the pandemic. And there is no need to quarantine upon arrival. 
that's completely different than Hawaii. Hawaii has, uh, you're, you haven't been able to, to travel there. They did originally say that you could go as of August 1st. That was pushed back because of the spike in cases in the U.S. Now, actually, their governor is bringing up the fact that that September 1st date might be pushed even further because of the, uh, they've had a little spike within Hawaii. And they said that they want to take care of their health before they take care of their economy. They obviously, like many, many countries, want to open up their borders and they're eager to have Canadians return and they want to get the message out that they're open for tourism. But the the whole point is that you don't leave COVID behind. And when you're planning travel, you need to make sure you, you plan accordingly. So when you, if September 1st does happen and you are able to go to Hawaii, the, you don't have to quarantine if you have a COVID test within 72 hours uh, of arriving. So what that means is you don't not just have to book your ticket and your accommodation, you actually have to go to the Health Canada website, take a look where you live and where there are locations, health travel health clinics that you can actually get a COVID test. I live in BC and the, they range, there's about four in my area and they range in price from 50 to 350 bucks, Shane. <laughs> like, wow. So it's expensive. And so you have to plan to make sure that you can have that test um, with and get the results. So you have to find out how long that clinic takes to get the results and then make sure you yeah. have the right paperwork in hand to actually go. And do we have people going? You know what? We're starting to get people who have uh, homes there because I live in, in Western Canada. There's a lot of people who actually have vacation homes there. They're super eager to go potentially stay there. You know, the question is, will they have to quarantine? Like, or is Hawaii going to actually open up in the way that they're planning? And it's, unfortunately, it's a moving target. Yeah. And, and I mean, if you can afford the time, you know, you can go. And there's some people say, you know, if you're going to be quarantined in a hotel room, you know, can't leave the hotel room. But if you have a nice lanai, maybe it's uh, maybe it's not so bad. But then you have to be able to afford the time off when you come home for the next couple of weeks too. Yeah. So. And, you know, that wouldn't have been the case, uh, say, three months ago because nobody would get their groceries. The, the shelves were bare. You couldn't get your toilet paper. Um, but now, right. you know, that's changed. You can order stuff online and have it delivered. I have, uh, because I work in the industry, I know lots of people who have had to go for uh, for business. They own businesses in different parts. So when Europe opened up, I had uh, people that needed to get there. You know, I'm, I'm not judging why people need to go in, you know, it's essential to them. I've had people who needed to book trips because of um, loved ones who were, were essentially dying and they wanted to see them. You can imagine how horrific that would be. So as soon as you could, you know, you could actually go in without quarantining at least one way, it was new welcome news to them. And then at the end of July, we got news that you could start to get travel insurance coverage, which for many people was another hurdle, right? There's all sorts of hurdles that people, um, you know, need to do right now while you're traveling. And some, you know, people just don't want to even do it. They don't want to deal with any of it. Other people say, well, if one way I don't have to quarantine, hmm, that's enough. Another it's insurance. Um, but Across the board for me, there needs to be um, also a couple of things that play out. There needs to be a heck of a deal. There needs to be, first and foremost, there needs to be um, safety uh, and health protocols in place, whichever uh, businesses I'm choosing to support, whatever airline, car rental company, hotel company, whatever. And it needs to be super flexible. So if I make plans to go to Hawaii and all of a sudden they might need me to quarantine because they're not going to accept my negative COVID test because the date keeps moving. I need to know I can get out of that without holding the bag. So that's really important. And, and it may be worthwhile to get a, 
a good agent if you have someone that you've used before. Um, obviously, travel agents need the help as well. They're not doing well. They've got time on their hands, but they can certainly guide you because they're up to speed on what's going on right now. Well, and, and part of this would be that things change quickly and you can be stuck in another country while things change quickly. That's worth saying too. Right. Now, there are places that you um, that we can go because the list of countries that are opening up to Canadians, I think the American country list was like 10 people. <laughs> Maybe, right. Or 10 countries. <laughs> um, but Canada has opened up in a lot of, in a lot of ways that... Um, that, that some other countries haven't seen. So what are the places that, that we can look at? Well, there's uh, too many to just rattle off, but there's almost 60 countries now. I think the last count that I did was 58 that have opened their borders um, to Canadians as of today. So there, you know, you can go to Mexico if you chose to go to the U.S. We have had a few people who have places in um, Arizona, California, Florida that they wanted to close up and fly home um, as soon as they could get the insurance, they, they chose to do that. There's some countries in Europe, quite a few actually, many in the Caribbean, the Middle East, um, Africa, South America, South Pacific. I mean, the list does change daily. I actually have a full um, list on the, the website, travelbestbets.com. You just have to look for my name, which is Claire, on the navigation bar. And then you can it's, it comes up as, you know, where can Canadians travel at the moment? And really important to keep in mind that um, some countries and states, like Hawaii, uh, will require proof of a negative COVID-19 test or other documentation. So you do need to do your homework to make sure you know um, what's needed. But the vast majority don't change. Like it's just a few that I can think of, like Hawaii, um, Iceland, uh, the UAE. If you wanted to go to Dubai, like there's, but um, not that many. The majority you can go to with your Canadian passport. Huh. I mean, they're That's still cool. going to they're still going to screen you. You're still along the way, whether you know it's in the airport or the airline, walking into a hotel room. You're not leaving COVID behind, so you still need to do all the things we've learned, but you might have your temperature taken and all of that, so that's all part of the process now. And for some, they just think of all that, and they're like, ah, no, I'm, I'm just going to wait wait it out. That part has changed, by the way. Um, not that they're taking your temperature, but in the large airports, they're doing it different than in the small airports. Oh, so in me. Ottawa, for example, they do it at the gate. Okay. That's how they've been doing it for the last little bit. Um, but in Calgary, and I noticed at Toronto, they weren't doing it at the gate either. No, I think um, it's so basically the four big, when biggies, you walk right? In. Yes, yeah. that's the four biggies. So the ones that are accepting international travelers at the moment would be Vancouver, Calgary, uh, Toronto, and Montreal. And so the first wave of the government actually doing it at security, is that where you noticed it? That that's happening at those yeah, airports. Yeah, that's security. You walk in and it's like these magic laser beams. You stand in front of a camera and these magic laser beams, um, you know, they basically, you walk in the camera and the, the screen turns green and says you're good to go. Like it's really kind of cool, high tech, <laughs> something from a movie kind of stuff. But it's it, it's there and it's... Um, it is happening, you know, a little bit differently as as you as you travel. If you have traveled at all, um, those things, you know, are a little bit different. So, what about um, some of the stories you've heard, Claire, about Americans coming to Canada to shop? One of the things that I mean, I think it might be a little bit of naivety, or maybe it just they think it doesn't hurt to ask. But the total number of Americans that have tried to come for leisure, recreation, non-essential travel, and attempted to get across, I think it's almost twelve thousand people. Well, I took a look at that number, and I'm thinking, you know, it's actually not that many. If you think if you know if, if they're they're not up to speed on the rules, and I know that there's a lot of Canadians who are still 
unsure of the, of the rules. And so they, you know, they know that Canadians can fly down there and there's no need to quarantine. And if they know some Canadians, they might think, or they live near the border, they may not realize that foreign nationals can't come to Canada. I mean, there's really only a few exemptions, temporary foreign workers, immediate family members of Canadians and certain international students. And even they have to undergo 14 days of self-isolation once they get here. So the rules are so different, you know, being a Canadian going to the U.S. versus the U.S. citizens coming here. If you take all the land borders across the, you know, uh, across the 49th parallel, it's, you know, I I chalk it up to, I guess they're trying to be chancers. We, in uh, where I live in BC, a lot of people say that they're going to come up to Alaska. And unfortunately, people haven't been so kind. We have such a great uh, health minister here, Bonnie Henry, and um, she constantly reminds us to be safe and be healthy and be kind. Um, but anyone who has plates from the US, they're not really welcomed here. People look at them with the, the old hairy eyeball. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and that's happening in Alberta too. Although I think that conversation goes bigger with what the the premier had said and the fact that there are Albertans and uh, getting vandalized in BC, um, which is interesting as I have to go to BC next week. And I'm curious if anything's going to happen to my vehicle while I'm there. Well, fingers crossed that everyone's, you know, listening and being kind. And because we don't know why people have to travel. And that's why it's so important. And I feel for the people who have loved ones that they are desperate to see who it may be their last time to see. Or people who are running businesses in other countries and they happen to own those businesses. And they're failing miserably or hurting because they're not actually there. And so you can't sit beside somebody or judge somebody who says, I've just traveled because you don't know what, why they've needed to, right? That's the thing. I don't think it's right. It's not socially responsible. And I think, um, nobody, and and I don't think Air Canada is saying, go down and take a leisure trip and sit poolside in Vegas right now. Like that's just not, that's not socially responsible. That's not Canadian right now. It's not protecting each other. Um, but one of the things I, I did hear, you did mention off the top that Air Canada, um, there was an ad or uh, a message about them promoting leisure travel. I think that word was um, unfortunate that they had used it. And I hope that they will actually change it. But in the world of the travel business, something someone going to see a loved one or going to a wedding or um, something that might be really important to them is considered leisure travel. It's under that. It's not commercial, which means, you know, it's for business and um, talking about cargo in the belly of the aircraft. So um, that was an unfortunate word. I don't think, I really hope that they're not, you know, encouraging just people to willy nilly go across the border into the U.S. Yeah. And leisure travel is an inside industry word, not necessarily a public word, and it gets lost in translation without a doubt. But that being said, um, there are many marketing people that get paid uh, handsomely to do exactly that. And um, if that's the what they put out there, then I suppose it's their mess to clean up. So yeah. <laughs> that'll happen. All I know is that everyone's looking right now at what does winter look like and can they go anywhere? And the U.S. border has for the land crossings has been extended for another 30 days. Uh, the isolation is extended. And I mean, you can fly down there. I'm, for example, I've got a friend whose his daughter's going back to school. So mom flew down. Uh, 
drove down, sorry, they drove, no, they flew down and moved all the stuff back in. Right. And got her settled at school. And then, you know, the the coming home is going to be isolating for two weeks just because they know. But at the same time, they've got to do it because um, in order to, you know, go to school, someone's got to help get settled in. So those are the kinds of things. And at least our, our Canadian government is protecting us in the fact that if people are choosing to travel for whatever reason they have, that they have to undergo that 14-day self-isolation when they come back. Or they're heavily fined or going to go to jail. So, you know, we it, it's our responsibility as... Um, Canadians to, to make our decisions wisely and informed. And I think we don't go against what the government is saying, but um, they're not shutting out or saying you cannot, you're not permitted to leave the country. They are, they have an advisory in place, but they do have it in for a reason. It's our protection. There it is. Uh, Claire Knowles, president of Travel Best Bets. Claire, nice to hear your voice and uh, we'll chat with you again soon. I hope so, Shane. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Tune into the show online or on the radio. 